0: I might agree. Oh, my Let's God. be honest. So we might both. Oh, be, but, no. But yeah. Oh, <laughs> no. Even if black people
1: weren't human, it doesn't make it OK to mistreat them. Today, we are talking about the black church's role in black liberation.
0: them.
1: <laughs> and I thought this was interesting. Um you know, our favorite thing to do on this podcast as a late has been to hate on religion.
0: Listen, I'm mean, still always gonna do it. We are. I because mean, coming from where we've come from yes. and it's just realizing how detrimental religion can be. But in this case we're going to extol some of the virtues of well. Ish. I
1: don't know about virtues, but Ish. we are going to celebrate <laughs> the ways in which the Black church has positively contributed to Black liberation, Black politics, Black freedom and Black advancement, all of that.
0: All that, which I didn't realize how big of a part it played, honestly, until we started doing the research. Like, you have a, a vague idea, but when we started getting into the research, I was like, wow, that actually uh, did a lot.
1: This is one of the things that's unique about the Black church, apart from other churches here in the United States, is that the church was an avenue through which we accessed freedom. It wasn't just about going to recharge your spirit, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just about worshiping God. the Lord yeah. so that you stayed in God's good graces. Right. It was about creating a place where we could be unapologetically Black, Right. Like we're away from people who demonize us for being black. Right. It's the Mm -hmm. one place you could be
0: unapologetically black
1: where other people were not judging you for all the stupid ass misconceptions and stereotypes that they Mm -hmm. saddled and still saddle upon black people. Right. Church is the place you can go to get away from that bullshit. For the most part, we might talk a little bit about the drama. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but to, it's community and Black people, especially. We are big on having community. Yes, especially we're very black communal women. people. The Black church was a place where you could foster that and everyone, the old adage of what's understood doesn't need to be explained sort of situation because we're all living similar existences and we could come together. So it was the community that was fostered in Black churches that helped propel it to do all the things that it eventually ended up being part of.
1: Absolutely. So this episode, we're going to talk about the Black church's involvement in the abolitionist movement, reconstruction, the Great Migration, the first civil rights movement, Because I think we're in the middle of another one. (laughs) And about the black church today. What is the role of the black church today? We learned some really interesting things and we hope you do too. And if we miss anything, if there was some really awesome detail or kick-ass thing that happened that you deserved a role in this episode and it didn't get in. Email us, i squared, i s q u a r e d, hello, at gmail.com. And of course, you can message us on social media. With that,
0: look at it. Olivia, take it away. All right. So, a little fun fact that I found was the Black church as we know it started about the 1770s, 1780s.
1: That is a fun fact because I did not know that. It started that fucking early. That's fascinating.
0: Yeah. I was like, huh. Originally, of course, black folks were not allowed to preach to other black folks like they had to go to these white churches and not all slave owners allowed their slaves to go to church. But when they did, of course, all of the emphasis was on slaves, obey your masters.
1: For anybody who doesn't know, I don't know if you're going to talk about it, but a while ago, I told Olivia about the slaves annotated Bible.
0: Yes. I did not know that until you brought it up. I was going to talk about it. Okay. You are. It was really interesting because I had never heard of them. What the fuck? But that's what they do. They've got all these different Bibles and mm-hmm. things that they take out. So many slaves who were brought to American soil were, and I didn't know this either. They were either Muslim or they practiced African spiritualities.
1: Right. Yeah. Um,
0: I did know about the other African spiritualities, but I did not know that a lot of them were Muslim.
1: Islam had spread in Africa before we started taking people. Before they started kidnapping people. Colonizers started kidnapping people.
0: Motherfucking colonizers. So when uh, slaves were allowed to go to these white churches, they were, of course, segregated. And they had to sit in the back or in the balconies and... That's where they would talk about, you know, like I said, obey your earthly masters. And like Raven mentioned before, there was a specific slave Bible called the Slave Annotated. Was it Slave Annotated Bible? Slaves
1: Annotated Bible.
0: Slaves Annotated Bible. Which
1: some black people, by the way, still have that they pass down in their families. Get rid of that shit. Oh
0: my God, are you fucking serious? I'm not surprised. Though. Get rid totally of that. Serious? Get a different
1: Bible. No.
0: Holy shit. Well, it was first printed in 1807. And this Bible removed any mentions of freedom that might inspire a to rebel. See you it, later, Exodus. Yes, it does not have the book of Exodus at all. And they just went through and was like, oh, this might give them some ideas. Take this out. Take this out. Here's a Bible for you slaves. With all of this, you know, obey your masters.
1: Even the cruel ones. Even the yeah. cruel masters, it says.
0: Yeah, that's fucking wild. Mm-hmm. So, black pastors, once they were allowed to preach, because there was a point in time when they couldn't. Sometimes they were whipped. I forget this one guy's name. I couldn't find him again. I was doing research. I lost him somewhere. But he was one of the first black prominent pastors in the south of course and he was preaching rebellion like let's run away this is wrong and he was beaten whipped. they kept tormenting this man because they wanted him to stop i don't think they killed him which actually is surprising that they didn't kill that him. that is
1: extremely surprising
0: don't quote me because they might have and i just don't remember
1: I think that's why they probably didn't want black people preaching to other black people, huh? Oh, for sure. You didn't well, want to incite to uprisings. Keep... White people were yeah. very terrified of that. So you don't want to put any black person in a leadership position.
0: <laughs> right. If because, you can help it. Because once black people started learning to read on mass and they were reading and they were interpreting the Bible themselves, and they're like, hey, wait a second. They weren't just reading from the slave Bible. They were reading from the white's Bible. And uh, when they did that, they were like, hey, hold a second. They're talking about equality and freedom and, uh, and how leaving can we not Egypt, leaving Egypt. Yeah, because the sort- thing
1: about them interpreting it is reading all these metaphors into it. Right. People talk mm-hmm. about how, you know, there's the fundamentalists who say that the Bible is literal and then there's people who apply it metaphorically. And when you talk about escaping Egypt, a lot of people thought like, OK, well, this present circumstance that we're this in, like this, this Egypt. is our Egypt.
0: Yeah. A lot of black pastors they began telling their congregations that any country that condoned slavery was bound to suffer divine punishment because it's supposed to be a sin against God, right? In the regular Bible, I mean, not really, because the regular Bible also perpetuates no, it is not. slavery. But at the same time, it, it depends on
1: who freedom. you own. Who have you enslaved? <laughs>
0: Who have you enslaved?
1: That's what it depends on. Jesus.
0: <laughs> Listen, I can't keep
1: my snark out of this episode.
0: No, it is fine. Because I That's true. Agree. Go read it. So Frederick Douglass was also a former slave and former Methodist, and he challenged his fellow slaves to challenge the Christian Bible, like, or Christian belief, rather. Like, this ain't making sense. They appear enslaving us. But they're saying that this is the same type of God that's supposed to be like, you know, we're all equal and we're all one. But at the same time, this is the same God that says that we will we have to obey our masters and we'll get our reward in heaven, like make it make sense. And people were like, hey, you know what? You're right. And So black folks started ramping up. They were like, this is not okay." And this is when black churches, you know, started really to take off because the black folks started talking amongst themselves and like we said coming to their own interpretations there's this one guy david walker he's an african-american abolitionist and he wrote this speech in 1829 called appeal to the colored citizens of the world and basically he just ripped christianity to shreds he was like <laughs> what the fuck is this we need to rebel against what the fuck they are trying to do to us i don't think it's coincidence that he lived until 1830 i can't find out if they killed oh. him or not but i'm pretty sure they fucking killed him he could have died but i don't think he killed him. Mm. i don't think he did i'm pretty sure because that came out in 1829 he died in 1830 so Black churches in the north and the northeast, they were instrumental in the Underground Railroad, which I found really interesting. Like, of course, when you hear about the Underground Railroad, they kind of always centered white people helping Yes. They was like, Harriet Tubman was like, Yeah And then all they, these white people hiding black people's in cellars and, and exactly. barns and shit. They did not talk about Black churches who helped organize and set up, you know, shelters and help get people out of slavery and stuff like that. Which, if you're going to tell it, tell the whole story. Like, it's interesting how even when we were in school, they talked about the Underground Railroad, but they did not give us a starring role in our own liberation. And we've Mm -hmm. talked about that before. They always centered white people and so it was like, yeah, okay, white people did all these terrible things, but look, they also Yeah, did there were all the all these other amazing.
1: white people doing the good things. And thank you, right. other white people doing the good yes, things. Appreciate but also
0: you weren't working alone. Yes. So I'm gonna throw it to you now for reconstruction.
1: Okay. The fascinating thing about reconstruction
0: I learned is that
1: Black churches in the North organized missions to the South.
0: Girl, that blew my mind. But it's also necessary.
1: (laughs) It was very necessary. (laughs) And my perspective on missions is like, the colonizers mission
0: yes mine too
1: that we used to do and still do today by the way mission trips are colonizing okay anyway in this regard these missions were actually used to uplift their fellow brethren in the south so black churches went down south to help newly freed people gain skills and develop talents that would allow them to lead independent lives which is wonderful honestly man the black church that communal element to me i'm sorry i just don't think other churches do stuff like this or have in history at least in this country
0: hey if they do let us know but i didn't even know like when you pointed that out i was Mm. like wow they did that like that is remarkable
1: Mm -hmm. it's great that Mm -hmm. the black people up north noticed the need and It's not it's not just like, hey, we're going to get you out of the south because like that's not realistic for everybody. Like, right. Right. My whole family is down here and I'm some people did that. Lots of people did that. But then other people wanted to establish roots where they were and it was possible. They just needed the tools to do it. And it was great that there were black churches going down there and doing it. Education was absolutely necessary, obviously. And. Black American missionaries established schools and educational institutions. And also, some white people came through. Some white denominations, including Presbyterians, congregational, and Episcopal congregations also sent missionaries to teach reading and math skills to freedmen. Over time, these missionary efforts transformed into independent Black institutions of higher education.
0: That's so interesting.
1: Yeah, including Morehouse College and Spelman College in Atlanta, which is dope. Yeah, that's man. I'm not going to stop saying it. The history of the black church is just fucking fascinating.
0: I had no idea. Like, okay, have I done deep dives into Morehouse and Spelman? No, I have not. But I did not know that they got their origins from the black church. I think that is so amazing. And they're still going strong, still,
1: mm-hmm. still
0: historically black colleges today. Yes. I don't know if they are predominantly black anymore because, yeah. I mean, a lot
1: of those colleges have predominantly black faculty for sure.
0: That's awesome. Now that I didn't know. That's awesome.
1: From what I've seen. I mean, I'm not going to say with absolute certainty, but mm-hmm. it appears to me that a lot of those colleges employ predominantly black faculty.
0: I know that. I just saw. Black Educators. Howard was not predominantly black for the first yeah. time. So I don't know if that's the trend for our, the other HBCUs. Well, that's but good,
1: y'all. Come on in and get some fucking culture. That's okay. <laughs> in black denominations like the Black Baptists and the Black Episcopal churches, the preacher stood as the central figure. W.E.B. Du Bois talked about this in his famous essay, The Faith of the Fathers and I think this was in a book called The Souls of Black Folks. or something like that. I'm yeah, so sorry. Yeah, that
0: sounds familiar. Du
1: Bois described the black preacher as the most unique personality developed by the Negro on American soil, a man who found his function as the healer of the sick, the interpreter of the unknown, the comforter of the sorrowing, the supernatural avenger of wrong, and the one who rudely but picturesquely expressed the longing, disappointment, and resentment of a stolen and oppressed people. Wow, that's quite the epithet. That's
0: yes, yeah, that's intense.
1: <laughs> so I wanted to break that down. Because it accurately captures how powerful the black preacher was and how, you know, white people, they I don't want to say they had good reason to fear putting a black man behind the podium. But if your fear is black advancement, I do see why for so long they didn't want a black man behind the podium. Especially when you think about how black church, if you've never been to a black church, why?
0: It's an experience.
1: It is very emotional.
0: It can be. Even
1: though I'm not a believer now, I loved church. I love that, you know, you could scream and holler and get really emotional and how emotional the preacher got. You'd be sweating, and <laughs> by the end of service, Man, because
0: listen,
1: you could say it was a spiritual workout, but it was an emotional workout and a physical workout sometimes too. Physical. Right?
0: I did not know other people, like other cultures and stuff. They didn't shout because that's how we grew up, you know, shouting and stuff like that. Yeah, sitting so in a people,
1: church where the congregation is quiet is like I'm just like
0: so weird, y'all. Very y'all. disconcerting.
1: You can be a human, right? Like. This is your opportunity to be human. You don't have <laughs> to shut up, right? Like, we're not at work right now.
0: Right. Like, you don't have to be on your best this behavior. This is not like, school. What? This is what we grew up, you know, and the music was always
1: oh yeah the you music know. was always jumping it's, it's a very emotional experience i mean because like in black churches you get people running around in church you don't need to stay in your seat Mm-mm. you could get up and dance during the music i would dance in church all the time not praise dancing or anything but just dance into the music and yeah. people would get up and run around the church just do laps around the fucking sanctuary yeah. I used to i'm to just people in. I
0: used to be like because you know the music like dun, 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 dun. yes and you'd be like what? two one two three and they're like ah and they start shouting and they're running around hallelujah to me it was fun it was fun (laughs) it was good
1: i mean that's how you create all those feelings of like being inhabited with the spirit right it is just that overwhelming feeling of warmth and unity and bonding you get flooded with those hormones and that's an important element of keeping people engaged with the service. Because mm-hmm. usually the way the service works is you get all that out and then, okay, we sit down <laughs> for the reading of the word. I mean, a lot of times when the preacher would be preaching, you still get people ho- hollering out and oh, crying sure. out. Oh,
0: sure. And sometimes you have a praise break in the middle.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, see, the churches I went to, we didn't have the intercalary praise break.
0: Girl, I grew up Kojic.
1: Okay. Which yes. is
0: Church of God in Christ for those who are not familiar. So there was a lot of praise. It was praise. That's worship. like Black
1: Pentecostal, right?
0: Yeah. Yes, it is. It's an offshoot yeah. of Pentecostal. And then I, uh, we went to non denominational, but our pastor, he was raised and educated Baptist. So he brought that with him. It was less of that praise breaks in the middle thing with the non denominational, but Koji girl. You had at least two, three praise breaks and the people shouting.
1: Oh, yeah. People would be shouting while the preacher was preaching in the service that I went to. Yeah, I think this epithet, I don't know what else to call it, what Du Bois wrote, but I think it perfectly captures how the Black pastor was able to reach people's emotions and embody people's emotions and relate to people all for the sake of mobilizing them as well, right? Mobilizing people politically, socially, And, of course, bringing people together. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Back to community.
1: Yes. That was the role of the Black Church during Reconstruction.
0: That led right into the Great Migration. For those who might need a primer or refresher, rather. Shame on
1: you. I'm just joking.
0: (laughs) Well, for some people, you know, it's been a minute in school, okay?
1: Oh, I didn't learn about the Great (laughs) Migration in school. Let's go. You
0: didn't? No, now I will say we did learn that.
1: No, we That's didn't learn wild. about reconstruction. Bro, we went from Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves to World War II. I'm sorry, World War, World War I.
0: What? Okay, so did we. But they mentioned, uh, probably accidentally, a great, like, great shit. That's wild. Accidentally. So it was the movement of over 6 million Black people from the South, mostly rural South, to the Northeast, Northwest, and West of the nation from approximately 1910 to 1970. Now, I've actually even seen something that said 1890 through 1970, but I don't
1: know. Well, sure. There were always Black people leaving the South, but I uh-huh. think, I don't know if that mass exodus started in 1890.
0: Not, I'm not convinced.
1: I didn't know it took place until 1970, though.
0: I didn't know that either. I thought it ended in the 40s, actually.
1: I mean, I guess when you think about people still trying to escape the Jim Crow South, which like...
0: Yeah, true. That didn't
1: stop being a thing until what? The 70s. 60s,
0: 70s, 80s. (laughs) Like,
1: Yeah, there's still some uh, elements left over from it.
0: Okay. These migrants brought with them their musical styles which relied heavily on blues-inspired melodies. So that's how we ended up with what we know today as gospel music. It's very distinctive. Oh, Yeah. Do other people, I wonder, other like Christian people, do they call their stuff gospel music as well? You know what I mean?
1: I know what you're talking about, and I don't think so. I think they just call them hymns. Okay. When I sang in the choir when I was in college, which I went to a Catholic college, so predominantly Mm -hmm. white people, Mm -hmm. I don't believe I ever once heard anybody refer to the music that we were singing as gospel music. There was a semester we sang uh, a Negro spiritual they called it mm. that.
0: Wow.
1: Um, but we didn't sing any, like, gospel music. Oh, hell no.
0: That's interesting. I don't think
1: other denominations, like, outside of the black community, I don't think they call it gospel music, no.
0: I don't think they do either, because, like, I would listen to other, like, Christian music, and it was just Christian music. Yeah, like, it's so Christian what, rock or Christian, yeah.
1: or, like, hymns. or. Yeah.
0: yeah. Not deep, but I was just curious. So, the majority of churchgoers during this time were, drum roll, please, women. Not surprising because Black women are the backbone of literally every community thing in the Black community, especially Black church. In Chicago, for example, 70% of church members were women. And with this new influx of people, the Black churches of these, you know, Northeast, East, West, everybody above the South began to focus more on social issues and programs that were of immediate concern to the Black people of their congregation, which I found really interesting. Like, they compensated, right? These Black folks were coming up here, and a lot of them, like I said, they're from rural South, so they were poor, and a lot of them weren't exceedingly educated, right? And so here they are in these urban centers now, And the only thing that they, that is familiar is black church. And so here's the black church. They're like, okay, we're going to help get these people acclimated to the city. And what do they need to make, you know, this transition more successful? One of the most prominent people during this time was a reverend by the name of Lacey K. Williams. And he was a pastor of what is still actually today the oldest black baptist church in chicago actually it's the oldest black church in the nation at this point point. and so he reasoned that the church's duty was to see to these new people's spiritual and physical and actually psychological needs very so deep. Not just his congregation, but black congregations all over the North. They started to do things, create education programs and services like, you know, meals for people who needed them and other ways of helping people to acclimate, which I found to be really amazing because this is what church should be about. Yes. This is what helping your neighbor, unlike our episode before, this is truly what helps to uplift the race. In that way, they became the cornerstone of the black community and consequently became the backbone of what would become the civil rights movement.
1: In the 50s, ministers and leaders in the black community outside the church unified to take action in the civil rights movement. The Southern Christian Leadership Conference formed in the late 50s with the goal of organizing anti-segregation efforts in the South. Of course, we know, if you didn't, come on, Martin Luther King Jr. was the president. And he declared that the movement was to save the soul of the nation. That is not possible. But you know what? That's a good goal. He tried. He did. <laughs> and they killed him.
0: And they killed him for it.
1: There was some historian, I'm not naming them because I don't appreciate their perspective. They observed that the civil rights movement became a religious crusade. No, no, no.
0: Became a religious Chris. What do they mean?
1: Because the church was at the center of mobilizing the civil rights movement. There's some stuff in here that I'm not necessarily going to go over, but there's a lot of quotes in this article, essentially calling your Christianity into question if you were pro-segregation.
0: Which I actually agree or with. Or
1: anti-black rights, for sure. Like, if you're anti-black liberation, you're not a real Christian.
0: <laughs> I have a huge problem with christianity as a whole however but if you take it for the tenets it's supposed to profess minus all the bullshit of like the annotated slave bibles and apocrypha and all that shit take all that out if you are pro segregation or anti black liberation you are in fact in violation of the christian principles you claim to stand for so i do actually agree with that but Uh, Well,
1: here's a hateful take. Okay. A lot of white people didn't see black people as people, and the Bible talks about men. Truth. Substitute that for the word human, if you like. Uh But if you don't see black people as human, the Bible is not talking about us.
0: That is a very good point.
1: It's a very hateful take, but... That's a fucking uh, checkmate right there, You know, I'm just saying...
0: (laughs) And that's how they've justified it. They that's are, how they we justified are lesser it. Lesser beings. And I mean, that's what the whole Confederacy was built off of, right? Yes. The Bible to prove that we were not quite yeah. human. So, therefore, everything that was done to us was uh, justifiable. It was justifiable. In God's eyes.
1: Because you just mistreat.
0: Even if. <laughs> I don't like
1: saying this. Okay. Even if Black people weren't human. <laughs> mm hmm. It doesn't make it okay to mistreat them.
0: No, oh, it doesn't no. make
1: it okay to mistreat beings who are not human. It's not. It's
0: not. I will say this. People do that all the damn time though. People it's do. just a dog. It's just a horse. Yeah, like and we're do. not You're dogs right. and we're not horses, but even still, you should have some fucking compassion for mm. non-human animals. And we are also we are all of us, black folks, white folks, all the other colored folks. We're all human animals,
1: yes, humans are animals, every one of us. Going back to referring to the civil rights movement as a religious crusade, though,
0: I would don't agree.
1: I don't like that. That's taken away from what the true purpose of the civil rights movement was. Yeah. like, yes, it had a lot of religious motivation and inspiration in it, but yeah calling it a crusade of any no also
0: that lends itself to the wrong idea of what it was yeah because it
1: makes it seem like we're out for blood right right. Uh, when i think of the word crusade
0: it's a war
1: uh yeah we were in a fight for our rights and liberties and lives yes but just call it a movement
0: it was a movement don't do this i do not care for that terminology if this is one of those situations where crusade like everything has a gazillion definitions then. Okay, fine. Maybe I just don't like the terminology because when you think of religious crusades, you think about people, you know, the Christian crusades, what were they yes. doing? There were Christians they were going around to really
1: out for blood.
0: They were killing, people, they were killing and people, forcing them into their way of thinking. Any other crusade was always a dominant culture trying to, or a more vicious culture trying to perpetuate their beliefs on everyone else. Yeah. And I don't feel that this counts in this I case. don't think
1: this applies here. I know some people think we were trying to force them to accept Black people as human
0: that's so sad what that a you feel What a terrible, what a
1: terrible thing. Oh, how wow. dare
0: you make me have to acknowledge you. Shoving our beliefs a- down your right. throat. I remember I mentioned this in another episode. Someone played a news clip from back in the 1960s. You know, they were asking a bunch of white folks, like, how do you feel about black people moving into your neighborhoods? And they were like, I'm terrified. I don't want anything to do with them. I don't want to live next to a nigger. For those type of people. Yeah, they'll be like, this is an attack. This is an assault.
1: And see, that's why I don't like the language of crusade, because, no, it's not an attack.
0: You're centering them. You're centering the racist, bigoted pieces of shit.
1: And the the civil rights movement, the protests and demonstrations, everything were Mm -hmm. largely nonviolent on the part of black people. Anyway, not on the part of white people.
0: Uh, Exactly.
1: I mean, yes, we know we have white people getting in the dirt with us as we uh, usually have. Yes. But the violence in the civil rights movement was mostly white people and law enforcement and the government
0: were predominantly white.
1: So churches played a pivotal role in protests In crowded basements and cramped offices. Plans were made and people assembled. Marches took on the characteristics of religious services with prayers, short sermons and songs. And actually, I talked about this several times. But in our Rosa Parks episode, we talked about it quite a bit. And maybe even the James Walden Johnson one. I can't remember. But
0: yes, we did.
1: Where people would sing hymns as they were marching uh-huh. during nonviolent protests, which was pretty much 99% of our protests. People were told, like, if you got arrested, you know, you start singing and start praying and you pray all the way to the jailhouse or prison or police station, whatever. And this is how you kept yourself nonviolent uh-huh. is you hold tight to your faith and keep singing because, you know, what are they going to say? You uh-huh. were you were resisting arrest. I mean, they'll say stop them. And a lot of these marches and protests were organized in churches. We talked about in um, our kids in the civil rights movement episode, how protests left from churches. So everybody would meet at the church and then march from there. The church was just so pivotal. That's also how people Mm -hmm. spread word about the protests. Like, yes, they had it in newspapers, but also they talked about it in church. You know, they had announced on Sunday, hey, you know, there is a protest leaving from this church, going to this destination, and this is what we're demonstrating against It was your way also to get involved in community activism. I know some churches did the Souls to the Polls events where they mobilized people to go vote. I don't know if it was a specific denomination that called it Souls to the Polls or a specific church, but I do remember hearing about the Souls to the Polls organizing. So it was the place where people could get politically involved. There were some chapters of these different black advancement organizations that met at churches. They definitely sent representatives to churches to get people involved to reach the black community. Because again, you know, that's a safe space for your people to make plans and organize. Mm-hmm. It was very instrumental. In getting some of the legislation that we have today passed, right? The Voting Rights yeah. Act, the Civil Rights Act. I did not know this, but apparently all black churches did not join the civil rights movement. Not just that, there were black churches that were not in favor of doing all this marching and protesting.
0: Now that I didn't know till you told me.
1: This blew my mind. But like Thurgood Marshall and the leadership of the NAACP, Some believed that civil disobedience, mass protests, and any other efforts that put Black Americans in conflict with the powers that be would compromise their efforts toward equality via the courts. Don't go into politics. Yeah, they wanted (laughs) you to focus your energy in lawsuits and legal advocacy. Okay, but that takes money and like a a certain level of education to navigate. You should be able to get involved no matter where the fuck you're at. Right. We talked about how there was youth chapters of the NAACP.
0: Exactly. Like,
1: dang, everybody shouldn't have to go through court cases. No, I disagree with that.
0: does not just have one form. It comes in many different forms and all of them are necessary. So the marching and the quote unquote civil disobedience, whatever, uh, was just as imperative as filing the lawsuits and things like that. So for you to be like, oh, well, you guys should I was say do
1: we way. accomplished a lot through civil disobedience. Yeah. But you know what? The NAACP was behind that. That's a very privileged perspective to have. For- well if you can't do sure. activism the way that we're doing it, where you you know, you have a law degree or you have the money to, to get to involved with a lawsuit. And also yes. Don't fucking pretend like people who got involved with these lawsuits weren't harassed. There were so many black lawyers and black litigators and plaintiffs.
0: Yes, who run out of their homes? Who were
1: run out of their homes and harassed?
0: Couldn't get jobs,
1: losing their jobs.
0: Yes, and sometimes by their own communities.
1: Yes, do not pretend like that's not putting people <sighs> in conflict with the powers that be. All My right. activism is better than yours. Come on now. I'm oh, sorry. The more I learn about the history of the NAACP,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's yeah. ugly. There's a lot to be desired.
1: Uh, Okay. anyway, so like Booker T. Washington, these opponents to the civil rights marches and demonstrations, these people were convinced that it was the responsibility of black people to prove their economic value and social worth to the dominant society by modeling morality, entrepreneurialism and citizenship. Are
0: you kidding me? Uh, Respectability politics for 700.
1: Model morality. Tell that to Martin Luther King, bitch. Are you for real right now?
0: Well, 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 well. It was
1: happening right in front of them, and they still...
0: Still, still refuse. Ooh, I, the cognitive just, dissonance. If we're just nice enough, if we just get them to see reason, things will change. No. You cannot... Dismantle the master's house with the master's tools. And that's what they're trying to fucking do. These specific people of the black church. It's not going to work. It never has. It won't ever.
1: Yeah. I'm gobsmacked. Come on. Prove your economic and social worth to the dominant society.
0: You have inherent worth. We have inherent worth.
1: You are inherently valuable.
0: But the fact that's not respected is not my you shouldn't have to prove
1: it i just never heard about this split during the civil rights movement because you know there was white people who were opposed to it of course you knew that but to know that there were other black people other black people who were like no we need to keep our grievances in the courts y'all no we do not we should not also court cases take so fucking long in the meantime we just supposed to sit on our hands fuck that shit And of course, you know, there was a further split, y'all, because there was the people who were in favor of protesting and stuff, but um, they were not in favor of nonviolent protest. Okay, so they thought nonviolent protest was sitting on your hands, so to speak. All of it was important. We needed our militant civil rights advocates. We needed the court. We needed the lawsuits. And the litigators and lawyers, and we needed the nonviolent protests. We needed all of it to shit on some people and saying that, like, your activism is not the right kind. I just.
0: Mm. I just had to look something up real quick because I was just curious. Yeah. For all that, if we just have economic power, black buying power is estimated to be at $300 billion, but that still has not gotten us the things that these NAACP members said we would get if we just played on their playing field
1: prove your social worth <sighs> they're full of garbage anyway let's talk about the role of the black church today Day.
0: does it have one
1: this article talked about the debate over the influence of the black church it says some argue that the black church is dead That it has lost its prophetic and progressive voice and its capacity to mobilize for reform on the national stage. And then it talks about how people go back and forth about what the black church ought to be today. Right. Because it doesn't necessarily need to serve the same purpose that it used to. And it hasn't. Right. It has served a different purpose in all of these various movements. The Black Uh Church of the Civil Rights Movement was not the same Black Church of the Abolitionist Movement, okay? And this is the reason why um, we decided to include that in this episode. It has always promoted Black advancement, but it has done it in different ways.
0: In different ways.
1: So what now? Should it carry forward the prophetic imperative of the Civil Rights Movement, the collective mandate for social change, or should it focus on personal prosperity and individual economic advancement?
0: Uh To say that it's dead, it's inaccurate, depending on who you're talking to. If you're talking to us, we don't have any obvious use for the Black church. Any church. No,
1: I have no use for any church.
0: Right. So as far as it goes, for the... Folks who have become aware of what Christianity stands for, perpetuates, and so on and so forth. A lot of Black people, not all, because I I think in this article it said something about 80% of Black folks still are religiously affiliated.
1: They have religious identity. They have
0: religious identity, yeah. Okay, so that can actually mean different things, and it does more so now than ever because a lot of Black folks are like, wait, Christianity is a colonizer's religion. What did our ancestors do, right? And I would argue that that's not a huge, significant swath of the community, but I think there's it more is. more and more though. It's more and more because people have become very disillusioned with Christianity, but there's still those diehard folks who, for some people, you know, the CEOs, like Christmas, Easter, and on New Year's or something like that. Those Christians who, they go because it's tradition. That's uh, a thing within the Black community? Yeah, they don't go to church no other time, but they dress up for Easter Sunday. I knew white people
1: did that. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be surprised that white people do it too. I just yeah. wonder. I, I don't um, know
0: too many Black folks go to Christmas services, but I do know a lot of Black folks who don't go any other time, they go definitely on Easter. But a lot of that's like social pressure from like familial pressure. Like your mom, your grandma, auntie, or whatever asked you to come. And you do, but maybe it's not because you actually believe it. To say that the Black church should try to perpetuate social issues, I think it does, but it needs to evolve and do it in a different way. Because the way that it was done back in the, during the height of the civil rights movement, it's not going to work now. And yes, we keep saying we're still arguing about the same things we are, but the messaging has to be different, and I think a lot of churches—I've seen the churches that try to be hip and cool, right? <laughs> the black churches that try to bring people in with the music, and it's like trap or R&B or hip-hop styles of music and stuff like that. I see them trying to yeah gospel to rap do that. and stuff. Yeah, and I'll be hitting. You but know what I do? I was gonna say I've
1: heard some nice gospel rap and some good gospel R&B, man.
0: For me, mostly, I'd be missing. But I don't know that they have their finger on the pulse of what black America needs anymore the way they used to. And so in order for them to still be a force to be reckoned with, I think that they need to evolve and get more involved with the black people of today. And I don't know that too many churches are actually doing that.
1: Well, I'm going to say this. Liberation theology used to play a huge role in sermons during the civil rights movement and prior to that. And now that we have a certain percentage of successful Black people in the public eye and on the public stage, Uh there's not so much of a focus on liberation theology. I don't want to say that the Black church is pretending that everything is okay, but they lost Sight of what those issues were and stopped preaching about them or preaching to mobilize people to get involved with them, rather. So there's that. Mm-hmm. But I don't necessarily think that the black church has to be in the center of black politics or as tied to black politics as it used to be. It doesn't need to be. I know in black churches, there's still a big push to get people to go out and vote.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I know. There's places where I've gone where I see the people out there from the churches yelling, go vote, go vote, register to vote, (laughs) at people, which, I mean, whatever it takes, shit, I'm not going to hate on any of that. No, as
0: long as people just saying go vote and not who to vote for. Yeah, I haven't heard
1: that recently. I mean, I've been in a church where they did tell you who to go vote for.
0: They told
1: us. I don't approve of that. No matter what church you're at, you should not tell people where to go vote or who to go vote mm-hmm. for and what to vote on, which issue and all of this stuff. You're the church. Just preach what the word says. That's my fuck. Ooh, OK. Stop <laughs> it. Not that I think the word is anything great. I mean, you can find lots of great stuff and lots of great books. <laughs> anyway.
0: You ain't wrong, though.
1: So I do think the black church is a place. It was for me coming up and i think it is still to a lot of black people is the center of your community with other black people it is still the place where you can go to be unapologetically black the place where you can get time with the black community in if you like me i lived in the suburbs and i didn't have a lot of black people living around me and i didn't go to school with a lot of black people mm-hmm. in my second half of high school anyway so um that was one of the things i liked about church And you get to be more vulnerable. Church is that safe place where you can be vulnerable. You should be able to. I know some drama out Uh, there, y'all, but you should be able to be vulnerable in church. And I think that church should be a place where you can foster that vulnerability because that is what allows us to be so communal.
0: I wish I could say I had that sort of experience in church, but I never had that. Like, Mm -hmm. it was predominantly black. Mm -hmm. It was the place where I was around the most black people. But the atmosphere wasn't conducive to me.
1: Okay, but if Pentecost... Yeah. Um, (laughs) I'm not about to pull apart different denominations of Christianity. I understand that church is also a place where people are really fucking judgmental. Listen, I get it. I heard all the homo hate Shit, yeah. growing Anti-Muslim so shit growing up anti muslim shit growing up misogynistic bullshit please and it
0: never sat well with me so no. i couldn't truly be comfortable because i i was conflicted right like i'm like this is what church is telling me i've been indoctrinated to believe that everything that i learned in the bible is right this person knows the bible better than i do they're telling me that this is what i should be believing but i don't believe it where does that leave me and so i was very uncomfortable from a very early age and I did not see it as the community that it could be. I, there were, there were good moments, but overall my best Sundays is when we didn't go to church. Yeah. But I think it's amazing the good that the black church has been able to accomplish. And I think it still could, it needs to do some revamping of its policies. I'm going to need the homophobia to, I'm going
1: to need them to not, I'm
0: going to need the misogynoir to, to not. there are some things that need to change. And I don't know that they will because it's Christianity. Yes, it's Christianity.
1: So I'm sorry. It is founded on
0: lots of bigotry
1: ideas related (laughs) to subjugation. Um, Listen, a quote that I like from this article about the role of the black church is the black church continues to offer affirmation and dignity to people still searching for equality and justice, still willing to reach out for a more inclusive embracing tomorrow. That was really fucking Pollyanna. Yeah,
0: it was beautiful.
1: But I do think church is where a lot of people find hope. Yeah. As an atheist, I can say a common misconception about atheists is that we are people who do not have hope. It's related to the fact that a lot of people who are religious cling to that because that is their source of hope. That is their greatest source of hope. And so they think if you don't have religion, you don't have hope, which is not fucking true. But I recognize that church is the place where people go to get inner strength and hope and keep going when you do want to give up sometimes, you know, because church is not just where you hear the Bible read and you hear these songs about, you know, we shall overcome and all of this stuff, but also you get to hear people's testimonies and how people are getting through things, and and that is uplifting to you.
0: Oh, yeah. some black churches do things like help to pay people's bills, Yes, they give scholarships.
1: Yeah. So Mm -hmm.
0: I think in that way, they're still very helpful. Yeah, I got a scholarship
1: when I was in church. Actually, I do think one of the churches I went to every year, I do believe they gave every graduating high school senior in the church something like $500. Damn. It was something like that. I could be mistaken. That's nice. I don't know if it was every year, but the years that I was there, I saw that.
0: Wow.
1: That's a really cool way to give back to your community.
0: For sure.
1: I mean, there's a lot you can do with 500.
0: You can. And even if you put 10% there, there's only 50. (laughs)
1: Honestly, I have some really positive memories of church. I mean, I've got some negative ones as well, but mostly not.
0: (laughs) Reverse that for me.
1: I loved being a part of a black church. I went to other churches. It was interesting to go to like white people churches, we call them, uh-huh. and sit through it and just, it's not the same. It doesn't feel the same.
0: It's a different vibe, for sure.
1: Yeah, it's no vibe. Yeah.
0: Even their praise and worship is, it's unique to them.
1: I mean, I can think of a lot of good things that the black church does. And, and obviously, yes, lots of churches do it. But this is a podcast and we focus on... <laughs> black issues. So we're talking about the Black Church. It's not to say that churches from other cultures don't do X. This is our perspective on the Black Church and this is factually what the Black Church has done. And of course there's a lot of other things that the Black Church and different Black Churches have done for the black community. Mm-hmm. I would love to know if churches from other cultures or races have done the intra-community mission trips, right like Hey, we don't even got to leave the country to help people out. It's people right here on need this us. continent who need us. Our own brethren need us. Let's go help them. And referring to it as a mission trip, right? Because, of course, lots of churches go to help with disaster relief. We know it. During the winter, there's a rotation where churches will house homeless people and things of that nature. But it's interesting to say, like, we're going to help you get established as a community member and not just tell you, hey, you you need to lift yourself up. You need to prove your social and economic mm-hmm. word. But, hey, here are some valuable skills you can use to get a foothold in society.
0: Yeah, the whole because a man a fish thing. Yeah,
1: you can hammer it all day long about how black people need to do better, but it's like if you don't give people a plan, you can tell me I need to do better all day long, but like what, when, where do I start? Especially like it's overwhelming sometimes when you look at all these different political issues and socio-political issues and socio-economic issues and you're just like, "Oh god, I'm not going to make it." Or you feel like you're up against this monster. You know, the monster's even bigger when you have overlapping Intersecting identities. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it seems really hopeless sometimes. And I I appreciate that these churches didn't just tell you, Hey, come in and we have the hope for you here. It's like, we're going to bring the hope to to you and bring you some legitimate skills to help you advance. That's really valuable. And I think the church can always do something like that. There are churches that do education work. There are churches that have nurseries, of course, and then churches that have literacy programs. I believe there's some black churches that still do that, or they'll do computer literacy, yeah, and uh, parenting classes, all sorts of stuff.
0: Food pantries, food of pantries. Yes,
1: I mean, I understand when you talk about the role of the black church. The church in our community has seemingly, in my perspective, had a unique role separate from other churches. Yeah. It's okay that there's some overlap, but I'm sorry. I don't want there to be too much overlap. I don't want it to be like the women's clubs, (laughs) the black women's clubs, where it's like, yeah, we're going to take what the white people do and do it in black. No, 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 do not do it. I don't want the black church to become that. With some of this homophobia, the prosperity gospel bullshit, leave the hate to the white churches,
0: okay? We have enough to deal with.
1: Don't bring that to the black church. You don't need to shit on other people just because society shits on us. Stop it. This is Intersectional Insights. If you like our content, leave us a rating or review to help the podcast. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you have any comments, questions, or topic suggestions, you can email us. I squared, I-S-Q-U-A-R-E-D, hello at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening.